everybody. This is Randy Shandabel, and you're listening to This Golden State. Can you imagine having a bullseye on your back to know that California's dominant political party is hunting you down? Well, welcome to the life of Assemblywoman Catherine Baker. She's the only Republican lawmaker in the entire Bay Area, the only one. And Democrats want their seat back. California is not perfect. We got our problems. State Democrats already hold every statewide office. I just love being governor. Governor, lieutenant governor. And with majority control of the state Senate and majority control of the Assembly as well, they already get most everything they want. But in November, if Democrats win just one more seat in the state Senate and a couple more in the Assembly they'll have a two-thirds supermajority, giving them even more power, leaving Republicans almost irrelevant. Let's get to it. I want to sign this bill without any more delay. Simple arithmetic suggests that one of the easiest paths for Democrats to get to that supermajority runs right through Catherine Baker's 16th Assembly District. It includes Walnut Creek, San Ramon, Pleasanton, and Livermore, and has 8% more Democrats than Republicans. So she is vulnerable. Catherine Baker, thanks for joining us today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Being here in the Bay Area, you are kind of a fish out of water, <laughs> a Republican assemblywoman in a district that leans Democratic, but perhaps more significantly, you are the only Republican lawmaker in the Capitol. That's from the Bay Area, only Republican uh, from the Bay Area. Definitely unique by definition, but this district is not one. This isn't one that swings very far to the left or to the right. And while it has a bit higher Democratic registrations, a very high independent and sort of centrist view, which jives very well with where I come from. It's no secret the Democratic Party is gunning for you. They've put a bullseye on your back. Mm -hmm. Before I go any farther, how does it feel to have a bullseye on your back? Well, um, I'm an archery instructor with Cub Scouts and uh, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. So targets come very naturally to me. It really doesn't phase me at all because... That was the case the day after I got elected in 2014, and I, I thought, well, was I going to be able to get anything done? I was very confident I was. And after the last year and a half of seeing what we've been able to accomplish, I feel good that regardless of a target status, I'm on the right path, and it's it's working. So, Why do you feel they're targeting you? What about you don't they like? Well, I don't think it's about me. I, I have great friends and colleagues on both sides of the aisle. We work together a lot. Almost all of my bills are, are co-authored by my Democratic colleagues from all over the state. I think we've got a good relationship, but it's, it's a political game. It's a political world we live in. And probably one of the number one reasons is when I won in 2014, it broke the majority party's two-thirds supermajority. Um, they really want that back because it means completely unchecked power when you have that two-thirds supermajority. And you're targeted because they feel that this seat is vulnerable because it leans Democratic. Yeah, in that respect, yes. They just do some simple math and say, you know, look at this. We've got a district in a presidential year uh, that are very rough on Republicans in legislative races. We've lost uh, legislative seats almost for the last 30 years in presidential years because of just the more partisan turnout that tends to happen. And they look at the registration and they do just some blind math that says, oh, this is a seat for the taking. But when I won in 2014, I won with tremendous Democratic and independent and not just Republican support. So I, I challenge that ability to just be that rawly political. But it's true. It's, it's a political world. Um, I'm a big girl and I understand it. But um, they really want that two thirds back. And having a re 
a Republican in the Bay Area, you know, if we're going to come back as a party and bring more balance to the state, we have to make a greater inroads in the metropolitan areas in L.A. and in San Francisco. And I'm sort of the beachhead for a, a different point of view. And why not try to shut that down while you can? And so that might be part of it, too. Democrats already get pretty much whatever they want. Their majority is so solid that even when you vote against them, it rarely makes a difference. Their bills are going to pass. So what does a supermajority get them that they really don't already have? Well, a couple things. When you have a two-thirds supermajority, what that means fundamentally is the majority party never has to talk to the other side. They never have to consider their viewpoint. They never have to bring them to the table because they don't have to. They can, through the sheer political power that they have, get their own members into line and have pretty much an ability to pass anything in California. So they literally don't even have to bother to talk to you. I mean, they'll go through the courtesy, but they don't even have to bother. If they have the two-thirds supermajority, yes. And for me, that is the wrong path forward for California. And if they get the two-thirds supermajority back in this cycle, they don't just have it for two years. They likely have it for 10. That means the next decade in California has a supermajority in the legislature because there are no open seats. Everyone's going to be an incumbent. You'll have a Democratic governor and Jerry Brown is probably the most conservative Democrat in California, but he's only got two more years left. Well, I, w I was going to say, when that supermajority existed briefly before you yeah. came into office, mm -hmm. a lot of Republicans said they weren't too concerned because Governor Brown was the so-called adult in the room. Well, I don't, know that any, I don't know that any said they weren't too concerned, but they were probably more grateful that uh, there was a, a slight counterweight, not the strongest one that could be, but a slight counterweight to some of the proposals that happened that were very, very extreme. I mean, when you have a two-thirds supermajority, extreme things keep coming forward and more reasonable approaches, especially compromises and bipartisanship, never sees the light of day. It doesn't need to. And when Governor Brown is termed out, I don't see a bench in the Democratic Party that's anywhere near as moderated as he is. And that's what we're looking at for the next 10 years. Are you telling me that Gavin Newsom isn't as moderate <laughs> as Jerry Brown? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, go on a little sidetrack here for one minute. Yeah. Your thoughts on Donald Trump? <laughs> Well, I'm a big believer in the 11th commandment. I don't uh, generally speak ill of another Republican, but I've publicly stated for months now that I will not be voting for Donald Trump. And I'm just continuing to focus on this race. You know, he's not running for assembly in this area. I am. He's not running for assembly in this area, but there is some speculation that because he is so controversial and turns off even so many Republicans that mm -hmm. he may suppress turnout and that could affect your election. I'll leave the presidential politics where they are. I fully expect opposition to try to tie me to that, but I think it would be really disingenuous and wrong to the voters of this district because it's so clear where I stand. A quick note here. Because Baker's seat is so important to both Republicans and Democrats, both parties are pouring everything they've got into it. It will almost certainly be the most expensive election for state assembly this year. Now, this podcast is not about the differences between Baker and her Democratic opponent, Cheryl Cook Callio. Rather, it's about Baker being the only Republican lawmaker from the very liberal Bay Area. Also, a quick bit of business. 
Many of our This Golden State podcasts, including this one, will now start appearing in print as interviews in San Francisco Magazine. Also, their website, sanfranmag.com, that's one word, sanfranmag, will have a link to our podcasts. So now, in addition to hearing us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, you could find us at San Francisco Magazine. So let's get back to being the only Republican lawmaker in the Bay Area. How's that play out in Sacramento? On most issues, do you find yourself voting along with your fellow Bay Area Democrats, Mm -hmm. or do you vote with Republicans? Well, I bring a very independent viewpoint here. I probably voted very similar to my Bay Area Democratic colleagues on some of issues that you wouldn't normally see a Republican in the headlines doing, you know, for example, tobacco. Uh, Tobacco is one of the number one contributors to Republican campaigns in the country, but I actually received an award from Cancer Action Network for voting for um, most of the stricter tobacco regulations because I thought that was the right thing to do. I couldn't track all the bills you voted on, but Mm -hmm. for my count, it seemed about 56% of the time you voted along with Republicans, Mm -hmm. which I would guess would be more than your district would vote along with Republicans. Well, I'm not sure about that. It depends on what the vote is. Um, It also means that almost half the time I'm voting with Democrats. What is the role of a lawmaker? Should you be voting the way you feel your district would want you to vote? Or should you vote your conscience, even if your conscience disagrees with what you think the will of the people would be? Well, I think it's a combination. Um, One of the things I've, I've really embrace this year is I don't just represent Catherine Baker. I do represent a district. So you really have to consider both. Um, ultimately, I won't vote for something that I can't sleep at night knowing that that was the right thing to do. And So even if you have a hunch you're going against the will of your district? I haven't really had that happen very strongly yet. I just haven't. Um, I have been very comfortable with how I voted. There have been times where I voted in a way that there was maybe vocal opposition to, say, the death with dignity bill. Uh, That was legislation. I was one of only two Republicans to vote for, or it's also called End of Life Options Mm -hmm. Act. And that was one that many who are Republican, including some Democrats and Republicans, really strongly opposed and others really strongly supported it. So I had to go with what I thought was right and also listen to my district. So it really isn't one or the other. I'm a Democrat, Uh but I've tried to put myself in your shoes And uh, fortunately, you're not wearing heels today. (laughs) Not today. I'm going to be getting some exercise today. But I would imagine if I were in office, Mm -hmm. I would vote my gut, even if I upset my constituents. Mm -hmm. And if I lost office eventually, well, so be it. Mm -hmm. Are you much the same or you don't quite? Very much the same. But I think what's good is I I tend to match this community. Uh, You know, again, I I gave you the example of tobacco legislation. Uh, I'll give you another example, the environment. I roll a little bit differently than my party and the traditional party points on this, but I was one of only two Republicans to vote for climate change legislation. Got a huge amount of flack for that, but for me, I thought it was the right thing to do. A couple other issues that I'm guessing, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that your votes might have been at odds with the will of a majority of your district. Mm -hmm. Banning the sale of high-capacity gun magazines. You voted against that. I did. I also voted for, and I think almost always as the only Republican, limiting the assault weapons ban uh, to include more guns, taking out the bullet button exemption that has been a loophole for assault weapons, having background checks for ammunition, making sure that those who have um, the ability to sell guns now through straw man purchases can no longer do it. Those who can do 3D printing of gun 
parts can no longer do it without having a serial number. I was the only Republican to vote for almost all of the gun control legislation that has come up in the last year. And I, I, I'm guessing that most of your district would applaud that. Yep. But probably wonder why you didn't go the next step and well, vote to ban. On the, the high capacity high... one, I had a real issue with the fact that you're banning a high capacity magazine and you're requiring people to turn those back in without fair compensation. That I thought was an overreach. Okay, couple more boxes to check off, regardless okay. of whether you want to or not. <laughs> All right. Uh, who did you vote for president in 2012? Uh, Romney. Okay. Yeah. Not Barack Obama. No. Even though he carried this district that you represent. He did. Mm -hmm. And governor in 2014. Uh, Neil Kashkari. Even though Jerry Brown carried your district. Yep. So according to the American Conservative Union, you are the least conservative Republican in the entire assembly. In other words, you're not the leading thorn in the Democrats <laughs> behind. Maybe. But they're still targeting you. It's okay. Uh, again, there's, this is politics. They want the seat back. And I don't, I don't pay any attention to the scorecards. I, I, you, you should know a little bit about this. Well, it is an unfortunate reality in the life of an assemblywoman mm -hmm. that most voters pay less attention to learning the issues in the assembly than they do for governor or president. Well, maybe. And so they use these scorecards mm -hmm. as a shorthand. Yeah. And I'm not citing the scorecards as sure. a thing against you. Yeah. In fact, pretty, no, it's much, okay. pretty, pretty much the opposite. The California League of Conservation Voters, in other words, environmentalists, give you low marks but higher than most all other Republicans. Mm -hmm. Again, still the Democrats are targeting you. I'm guessing that, let's say you even voted with Democrats 80% of the time, 90% mm -hmm. of the time. Do you think that because you're a Republican, they'd be targeting you anyway? I do. I think because of that two-thirds supermajority and the registration of this district. But what they don't, they didn't recognize in 2014, I'm not sure they recognize now, is this district, voters are very conscientious, they pay attention to not just something like, did you vote 80% or 90% or whatever, like, where did you vote? Were you willing to be independent from your party? That's what voters in this district look for. Okay, so I, I, I imagine by now that you're kind of thinking I'm grilling you about issues. That's okay. <laughs> I, if I'm not willing to take a, a grilling on issues, then I shouldn't be in this job and well, I'm enjoying it. Well, here's the point. You wouldn't be getting these questions if you were a Republican from the Central Valley or Bakersfield. Well, I'm not but you're a Republican from the Bay Area. Right. And getting back to my first question, huh? you're a fish out of water. Um, I, I am right where I think I need to be. So you don't consider yourself a fish out of water? No, I, I certainly am unique in being the only Republican from the Bay Area, but I certainly think what's more noteworthy is that we're getting things done regardless of that, and it's a good approach. We need more of it. Yeah, generally fish out of water don't survive long, so I understand you rejecting that <laughs> yeah. analogy. Um, I like to think I'm blazing a trail, a path that we need to have for California, and there's not a lot of people who've trampled on it in a while, but it's an important one to have. Thank you for joining us. It's been great talking to you. You bet. Thank you very much. Great questions. You can find this Golden State on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and soon in San Francisco Magazine as well. Their website, sanfranmag.com. Thanks for listening.